Welcome to the Stone Industry Podcast. Whether you're an experienced agent, new to the industry, a property manager or principal, join us in conversations with fellow industry peers. Stone Industry Conversations will bring you content to inspire and inform you on your journey in real estate. Well, welcome to the Stone Podcast, everyone. Today, we have the pleasure of chatting with Mr. Chris Rolls. Chris Rolls is the Managing Director of PyLab Venture Partners. PyLab is Australia's first real estate venture capital business. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks, Peter. Good to be here. It's been a while, Chris, since we've chatted. We've known each other for, for quite a few years. and um, Yeah, I'd say 10 to 15, something like that. <laughs> I know. Life goes too quick, doesn't it? That's right. I remember many, many years ago, you're showing around your very successful real estate property management business and uh, running various courses around the country, and it was a lot of fun, and we all learned a lot off you. So thank you for that. No worries at all. My pleasure. Um, so, Chris, and I'm very impressed with what you're doing with PyLab, but for a lot of people in the industry have already heard of PyLab, but for those that haven't, can you just fill us in a little bit what you do and what it's all about? Sure. So, um, we're effectively an investment manager. So, uh, we invest in businesses uh, through our real estate industry venture capital fund that provide products and services to the real estate industry. Um, and we started that really about sort of three and a half, four years ago after I had exited quite a large property management business and I had this idea of, well, you know, in, in, in the real estate industry, any business owner uses a whole bunch of services and products from various other businesses. What if we actually owned part of those businesses and helped them grow given our network and contacts in the industry? Uh, and so we raised our first fund uh, which was largely capital from myself and, and owners of other large real estate businesses around Australia. Um, and we have invested that in businesses that provide products and services to the real estate industry with a view to helping those businesses develop develop that product and service so that it really meets the, the aims of all, all the, the, the needs of, of the industry. Um, and that's what we've that's what we did and we've just raised a, a second fund. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what we do. Chris Maybe a bit of context around this. Some of the businesses you've invested in, could you tell us about those? Yeah, sure. So um, we've raised, so we've invested in sort of um, a range of businesses. Um, on the technology side of things, uh, we've invested in products like uh, HappyCo, uh, which is an inspections uh, software. Uh, interestingly, most of their customer base is in the U.S., um, so they provide specialist software for the multifamily industry, which is in the US a whole asset class um, that is really in, so in Australia when you build a high-rise tower of apartments, uh, they're typically sold off individually to owners. Whereas in the US they build entire high-rises and keep the entire apartment and, man- and manage that, so that builds a rent market. Uh, they've got about 2.4 million properties being inspected on that piece of software, which gives you a scope of the size of the US. I mean, there's only roughly 2.4 million investment properties in the whole of Australia. Uh, so we've invested in HappyCo. We've invested in a product called ActivePipe. That's probably one that most people in the real estate industry will know. Uh, it's a marketing software for the real estate industry on the sales front. Uh, also, um, is, is, has been tailored for the mortgage broking industry as well. Um, what else have we invested in? We've invested in uh, a product called, a company called Air, who have a product called Rita, which is a digital employee for the real estate industry. Um, and uh, that automates tasks internally within the real estate industry and, and helps sales agents find, uh, uh, mine their database um, and, and helps them 
you know, create listing opportunities, really clever piece of software. Uh, that one. We actually, uh, us and the Queensland government actually co-invested in that um, really about uh, six or seven months ago and so they're doing really well. Chris, just on yeah. those two, Active-Reader, are they, are they doing the same thing, mining the database, or are they both very different? No, they're, they're different. Um, and this is one of the interesting things. That there's probably small areas of crossover, um, but, um, you know, really... The way they're going about the process is is actually different, and and, and what's interesting is that there are there's actually many many customers that actually use both uh, within their business. Um, so, and I think part of that is that most people understand Rita as being, um, you know, the, the digital employee for the for the real estate industry that is, you know, focused purely on the database, but actually Rita does a, a range of other things as well. Um, yeah, I know some so, of our offices, we're sort of implementing some of those through our offices at the moment, you may not be aware. Um, yeah, no, it wasn't. Um, and you're true, some are using both. Yeah, so some of them use both. Um, so those businesses that I've mentioned, they're, they're you know, mainly technology-based businesses. Uh, we also have investment in a company called CloudStaff, which is a uh, provider of offshore services uh, in the Philippines to the real estate industry. Um, so they provide... Um, the ability for real estate agencies to create an offshore team to generate, um, I guess, labor arbitrage efficiencies. Um, so with, with manual work, particularly in the property management space, uh, my view is if you're in the property management industry and you're not using offshore labor to, to make your business more efficient, then you're really, um, you know, probably, you know, not running as profitably as you, as you could otherwise be. Which I think um, sort of in sorry. some... Oh, sorry, Chris. One of the things we're talking about there is... A lot of people haven't got onto this yet, and um, I know in one well, again, a lot of our officers are using offshore for assisting with speaking to tenants, with the uh, maintenance, and so on, and and they love it, and the client loves it because they're speaking to getting action pretty quickly. But a lot of older businesses, I'm finding the disparity from older business to new ones, they're slipping behind quite a lot, and it's coming coming quite apparent. Um, what do you think for some of these older businesses? And and sometimes it's franchises and sometimes small independents or they just haven't adapted. What can they do so they're not going to be left behind and they can start improving their efficiencies? Oh, look, yeah, that's a, that's a big question. Andrew. It is a big There's one, isn't it? Can... <laughs> Sorry about that. Yes, it no, that's right. uh, it's a good question. There's, the answer is there's lots of things that that they can do and I think one of the issues we, we, you know, and I know what you mean when you sort of say some of these older businesses, and you know, there's old businesses that are that are very technology savvy, and there's old businesses that really haven't changed for the times. And I think um, one of the things, you know, things to do, I guess, if you are potentially one of those businesses that hasn't changed for the times, is to just start looking at, at, at what's out there in terms of solutions to problems that you might have in your business. Um, and talk to people about what other organisations use because it's often not as difficult to implement some of these new technology solutions to solve problems or efficiencies within the real estate business than you might think. And, you know, take take offshoring as an example. I mean, we started offshoring at Rental Express. You know, we were very early um, in the process and probably 15 years ago. Um, and I remember speaking at a conference about it once and, you know, literally no one in the room had any offshore staff. And, I only really came across that as a result of being inquisitive. I, I found uh, an organisation in another industry that did it, talked to them about how they did it, thought, well, why couldn't this work in the real estate industry? And it did. And, and as a result, we built a, a very efficient 
property management business, which, you know, obviously the more profit you generate, the more you can reinvest into growth, which allowed us to grow very quickly. Um, and we built one of the biggest property management businesses in the country very, very quickly, um, sort of 10, 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago. Um, and, and I only came across that opportunity simply because I was just talking to other people that were, you know, doing interesting things in their industry. And I think that's a, an important thing to understand is that most things that, that good businesses do and implement, they haven't come up with themselves. They've copied them. They've seen what other people are doing and they've just basically, you know, said, how does that apply to me? Uh, and that's really what, what we did. And it's, it's actually not a difficult thing to start your offshoring journey. It's a pretty easy thing to get started. I think in um, business, Chris, and you know this all the most, is, is a lot of people try to do everything themselves. And I know when we launched with Stone, we looked around. We actually did, or we, should I say, we did have a foray into some Salesforce tech, but it cost us a lot of money and didn't really deliver what we wanted. So we realised to look around for what some tech was out there that we could use and or adapt for what we needed without having to recreate the wheel. Um, and we came up with a better system which allowed us some great tech for displaying properties, interactive walkthroughs and so on, which has been, which was a blessing for us with COVID when that came on um, because we were, yeah. re- we were ready for that. Now guys were, you know, used to being able to work from home and do virtual inspections and so on. And I think a lot of people try to think, I've got this amazing app, I'm going to go and create it all myself. But most people, well, well we're not app producers. And, of course, it's, it's a slippery slope, as you said. And I think, yep. I think we're better off working with constantly being flexible as brands and going what is the best tech and how can we bring that in and we're, we're constantly we've got a guy within our business and, and jamie and he's looking um he's our general manager and he's looking through everything constantly for us um of what new techs out there we've all got our radars up and going how can we bring that in is, is it better than what we're using and then and i think it's being able to move fast and adapt and i know that's what helps attract people to us but are you seeing something similar there and what's your thoughts on people i've got this great idea i'm going to go and develop it or the other the other alternative. Yeah, good question, and and I think yeah you know, the answer really is it depends what business you're in. Um, if 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 you're in the real estate business, then I would urge you not to go and develop you know a piece of software for your business. Um, and the reason behind that is that um, it's you know for the uninitiated, software development is a time-consuming, expensive process. Um, that often ends, you know, an outcome that's that's not as good as what you could have bought off the shelf. Um, and this is something we 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 saw, you know, in the last sort of five ten years in in the franchising space, where you would see franchisors go and develop, you know, a CRM system for all of their franchisees, um, or you would, uh, you know, see an organisation develop a particular piece of of, of tech. Um, and yes, still here. Oh, sorry about that. I sorry. thought you cut out there. <laughs> no, no. no, I'm here. No, um, no, you saw. You know, and, and they developed this this technology. The problem is, is that it's expensive to develop and maintain software. Uh, software is never like the development of software never finishes. So a lot of people think you go and start developing a piece of software, and then it's finished and it's complete. And that's actually not the case. It constantly needs maintenance for the rest of of, of the, the period of time that you own that that piece of software and, and that you're using it. And the problem is, is that an organization that can sell a piece of software to the entire real estate market is able to generate revenue from that, that you can't if you're a franchisor, because if you're a, a Ray White or a Harcourt or an LJ Hook and you develop a piece of software for your franchisees, your market is your franchisees. 
if you're an independent doing that, you can actually sell that to the entire market and not just here in Australia, but overseas. Um, whereas if you're one of those big companies, you're going to have some reluctance on behalf of your competitors from taking up that software. So therefore, it's very hard to compete. And the other side of it is that, um, you know, software development is a, it's a game of, of chance and numbers. And what I mean by that is, you look at what we do. So we, we, we have a group of portfolio companies and we've only sort of touched on sort of less than half of them. Um, any one of those companies could cease to exist tomorrow. Um, but we generate a return by really betting on the averages. So, so we believe that, that you know, a, a few of our portfolio, companies in our portfolio will not succeed in the long term, but the balance of them will in order to generate a return for our investors that warrants the investment in the first place. If you're betting all of your you know, money as a, as a real estate business on developing one piece of software, the likelihood of that failing is very, very high. Um, and you can't compete with the amount of capital that's being put into all of these other software businesses by organisations like us. And there are multiple, obviously, uh, real estate, you know, uh, or, or, or venture capital funds that are investing in the real estate industry. And, you know, we happen to be a specialist in the real estate industry, but there are other firms that, that invest alongside us, you know, in those businesses as well. And so that's why I would urge real estate businesses, you know, to be cautious when they're thinking about, you know, going and starting a, uh, you know, developing a software app for the real estate industry. I think it's, um, I'd encourage anyone if they were thinking of, I've got this wonderful idea on an app for the real estate, I think they should talk to you because you might be able to either say that's amazing, we might want to in, you know, invest with you, but you also might give them a dose of reality and going, well, there's this product out here and it's very similar. Um, Absolutely. And there are, like, I mean, the number of times I have people come to me and say, I've got this great idea, I've started developing it and it, it does this, this and this. And I think to myself, well, I know at least four or five other piece of software that do exactly that well, I think and, we, and often they don't realize that what and I agree 100% on all that we, we realized early on we are better off investing in what we are good at which is helping grow people helping build brands helping um, with recruitment helping people get deals done working on that side of the business we're a training and growth organization we are not a software developer but what gives us the advantage is we move fast and we we're constantly we have swan pretty much full time looking for the best tech that's evolving and, and keeping our radar up so we can adapt it but we then don't have to spend years of building something that it gets superseded and, I, and i've worked in other businesses that have created their own software and it's never been as good as what was out there in the industry and most of the people working in the business didn't want to use it because it was slow um, yep. So question, Chris, just jumping in, um, what's some of the best tech maybe you're seeing at the moment that sort of gets you excited and wakes you up in the morning and go, I've got to look at that? Oh, so there's, there's probably a, a, a few things. I think um, it, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening uh, around the property management space in terms of real estate principals realising that their area of expertise is sales. Um, and the property management side of things is not their area of expertise, but they've they've got a property management business. And how do they make that efficient if it's not what they've got? Their, it's not what their background is. It's not what they've spent the last twenty years, you know, really focusing on. Um, and you see that a lot, you know, the, the real estate business that's got a cracking sales business, but also has developed, you know, a, a small portfolio of, you know, four or five hundred properties under management um, that maybe isn't performing to the same level the sales team is. Um, and so we're seeing a few things come out uh, around that space. So uh, one organisation um, that we've you know worked uh, you know fairly closely with is a company called Starflink, 
And they sort of started initially as an organization that helped people running property management businesses offshore parts of their business. Uh, but what they found was that um, really they were taking, you know, helping inefficient property management businesses, you know, continue to be inefficient, um, just do it at a cheaper cost um, so that the, the business has more margin. And so what they started doing was was developing software to improve the processes of these businesses. Um, and what's fascinating is that as they, as a client comes on board with them, they don't just help them, you know, uh, offshore some of the, the components of their business. They actually improve the processes using, you know, various software that, you know, that they've developed uh, that integrates with the major products like, you know, Property Me or uh, Property Tree or whatever it happens to be that you're using uh, to improve the efficiency of things like their maintenance, their arrears, uh, those sorts of things to the point where, you know, some of these businesses are generating profit margins, you know, you know that are that are triple what they were prior to, to being involved with Starfleet, and it's quite a, a fascinating process because they've taken a technology approach to how do we make processes uh, efficient, um, but also um, but also not just by doing that by cutting out cost. How do we not only make it cheaper to provide a particular process uh, or, or do a particular thing in a property management business, and at the same time make the experience for the tenant or the landlord. Uh, and the property manager, um, a, a better one. Uh, so that's, been, that's quite an interesting business. It's grown from nothing um, in a space of about two and a half years to, to be quite sizable. So they're currently managing circa 65,000 properties uh, for various agencies around Australia um, in the space of sort of under two years. Um, so quite an interesting, interesting one, that one. Things have changed a lot, certainly in the last five years. It's amazing. I mean, there's some great software coming out and I get very excited about different things we see that's it's coming. And, you know, if you go back maybe seven years ago, you're probably having to think you'd have to create a lot of it yourself. And, and it's great to see, or should I say, some businesses were coming to Australia or, or opening and, and creating their proprietary software but getting an edge over a lot of people, where now a lot of this is available to anyone. And I think... Um, that's what's really exciting for the industry, but but people do have to have their eyes wide open and ears out and, and listening and, and getting onto the internet. Um, your website's quite interesting too, just for people to learn a bit a bit more about PyLab, but some of the things you've invested in. Um, yep. Which is worth so for those people listening, it's PyLab, P-I-E-L-A-B dot com dot au. Certainly worth going on there and having a look all about Chris's business. Um, where do you see things going, Chris, over the next sort of five years? Uh, so in terms of, of, of what we're doing, I mean, one of the things that, um, you know, we, we've got a really good result with our first fund and, and have generated, you know, very good returns for our investors. And, and in an era where the expectation is that returns for investors moving forward are going to be very low. And, and, and you know, once upon a time, you could invest in a portfolio of, of you know, listed, you know, equities, uh, you know, prop, you know, companies listed on, on the stock exchange and, and generate consistent sort of, you know, 10 to sort of 14% per annum returns and, and with interest rates as low as they are, um, you know, prices for investments through the roof. Um, it's very hard to do that now. Um, and, you know, we've been able to get returns of in excess of 20% per annum uh, for our investors uh, in our first fund. And so we've just raised a second fund. And we're really doing that by investing in small businesses. And that's ultimately what we do. Um, and for most people, being able to invest in small businesses is quite difficult because they're time-consuming. Uh, if you decide that you're going to go and buy 20% of a 
of whatever, you know, a small pest control business, for example. Um, you know, the problem with that is that it's, it's firstly illiquid, so you've got to keep an eye on it because you can't just sell your shares the moment something's going wrong. Um, and secondly, um, they're, they're relatively fragile. Uh, small businesses, you know, typically, um, you know, run into problems faster than large businesses because they lose a handful of customers and, and, and that, that affects them much more than it does a large business. Um, and then uh, the, the final thing, of course, is that your average small business can't afford a $500,000 a year professional CEO. So you end up with an increasing likelihood that, you know, the CEO in that business is not up to the task of growing it into a big business. Um, but the difference is you can buy these businesses at, at, you know, multiples of, you know, three, four times earnings. Whereas you look at the, you know, the forward, um, you know, earnings multiples on the ASX at the moment sitting somewhere around the 23 times. Um, so I look at it and think, you know, if I can buy a recurring revenue business that's generating $5 million in revenue and I can buy that at, at, at you know, four times earnings, or I go and buy Woolworth shares at 26 times earnings. I mean, it takes me 26 years to get my money back on my Woolworths investment. Um, it takes me four years to get my money back on my small business investment. Um, yet the risk, if, if, if you buy well, um, is, is nowhere near four times, you know, as great in that small business. And so therefore, um, it, it, it makes for a very attractive investment opportunity. And so that's what we're, we're doing moving forward. We're, we're, um, extending our reach beyond the real estate industry um, and investing in other industries that we know well. Um, and there's still some bias to the real estate industry, but in our next fund, we're, we're really investing in recurring revenue businesses that generate, you know, good cash profits so that we can generate, you know, uh, returns for our investors similar to what we have done in our first fund. Well, Chris, you've done some great things. And, and I think even with your first fund in the real estate industry, it's a great thing for the real estate industry in general because it allows some of these products to come to market that are going to benefit those working in this space. Sounds pretty exciting, your next step, and I certainly look forward to watching your journey through life. Um, no worries. Thanks, Peter. Look, so thank you so much for sharing today. I've given, I'll put the details in the bottom of the, our um, podcast page so those that want to find out a bit more about Chris's business look into that I would certainly encourage people to start opening their eyes to what's happening in technology in our space um, you never know maybe you'll invest with Chris in one of his funds Chris thanks so much for being on our show today thanks Peter appreciate it thank you for joining us on the stone real estate industry podcast to learn more about us be sure to visit us at stonerealestate.com.au now if you haven't done so already make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcast player so you don't miss out on any future conversations with industry peers. While you're at it, if you found value in the podcast and the conversations on today's show, we'd appreciate our ratings on iTunes or simply make sure you tell a friend about the conversation we had. Be sure to join us on our next episode with more information to inform and inspire you. Bye for now.